Welcome to Compass with Helady Michelia. Finding direction for your life. Greetings of grace and peace. We bless God. He is good and kind and faithful to us. Yesterday I was thinking about God and I, I think I was just, um, I went somewhere and there were all these tribes and um, different cultures and all of that that was going on and I just stood there and I just thought of God and I said to myself, God is trying with us. And when I said that, I wasn't speaking in a negative sense. I was looking at the administrative capacities and capabilities of God. Just in Nigeria alone, we have more than 500 different tribes and, you know, languages that are spoken. And I, I was just meditating on the fact that every one of these tribes, they have things that are unique to them. God ensured, you know, like the, the, the dialects we speak, God ensured. In fact, sometimes there are some dialects. In fact, this is what began my thought. You know, there are some dialects that are very closely related to others. But often there will be some words or intonations that differentiate them. And uh, many of these people will say to you, we're not the same tribe, we're not the same dialect, we're not all of that. And I was just thinking that, see, how God sat down to ensure that he made a differentiation in these dialects. And that the dialects are actually different from each other, based on just some few sounds and intonations. And then, do you know, I discovered that also... Geography is different from sometimes from nation to nation, from tribe to tribe or whatever delineation that there may be. God just does that. They'll just tell you, oh, this is unique to these people and this is unique to these other people. And then you'll discover also there are certain crops, you know, some certain food items that are different from place to place, you know. And I really sat down I was thinking, I was like, wow, God's administrative capacity is something else. That he can sit down and look at all of these tribes everywhere in the world, you know, and then make provision for different climate, different foods, different culture, and all of that. And then not even talk about what all of us need, you know, to, to just live a normal and everyday life. God is doing well. So I want you to know that it is critical that sometimes you just sit down and remove yourself from yourself and thank God for who he is, you know. And just bless him for his faithfulness towards us as human beings. How much impute, how much thought, you know, goes into, you know, making sure that the earth is running the way it ought to run, you know. You know, and I, you, you know, the thing is this, I believe that most of the challenges that we are facing on the earth is definitely not God. And I can even tell you that some of them is not Satan. I'm sure that there are some things people do. When Satan looks at what some people do, he said, wow, these guys are good. I mean, Satan looks at what people do. We, we've caused so much, you know, destruction, so much pain, so much havoc on the earth, you know, and it's completely divorced from who God is or what God wants or what God is doing, you know, and sometimes even Satan is not involved in it, you know, but I just want to just thank God for his goodness towards us today, you know, and just bless his name, especially in this season and in this new year. I am continuing in my teaching on the, uh, living a life of impact, you know, living a life of impact. And I began this particular series by saying that a life of impact is not based on how much money you have. 
a life of impact is not based on how ma- how much are the material things you have, how many houses or cars or clothes. In fact, it's not necessarily how many people you are connected to. Impact has to do more with doing what God told you to do, how to do it, how He asked you to do it, when He told you to do it. Impact is in obeying God. Is you may not have any record, you may not have some anything much on the earth to show, but you can stand before God and say to Him, "I did what You asked me to do." You know, Jesus made that statement on his way back to heaven, you know, on the the, the day he was going to be betrayed. You know, he spoke extensively. And one of the things that really blesses me in, in the statements of Jesus on that last day was that he said, glorify me now with the glory that I had with you. He said, for I have done, I said, I have glorified you on the earth. I have done all that you asked me to do. He said, of all that you have given me, not one have I lost, except the son of perdition. Which means that God is glorified when we do what he demands our lives to do, what he demands of us to do. And so that is a life of impact. You know, doing what God asks you to do may not make you popular sometimes among people. But it sure will put you in a good standing before God. Obeying God does not mean people are going to be happy with you. Obeying God will not put you in the good books of men. But I can tell you this, that you will stand before him one day and he who has the final say over your life will say to you, good and faithful servant. Today I want us to look at lesson 9 of the 40 lessons that we are studying. I want us to look at lesson 9. And I want to talk to you about, you know, what makes God happy. What makes God happy? I realize that we want to make people happy. We want to make our boss happy. We want to make our wives happy. We want to make our children happy. We want to make our pastors happy. We want to make our girlfriends happy. We want to make our boyfriends happy. We want to make a lot of people around us happy. But we are not thoughtful often about what God, what makes God happy. I think that sometimes on our scale of preference as human beings, God is the last person we are concerned about whether he is happy or not. Now the Bible says, acquaint thyself with the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. Acquaint thyself with, with God, you know, is in Job. Delight yourself in the Lord, in the book of Psalms, and he shall grant you the desires of your heart. In other words, there is something about getting to know God. There is something about hanging around with God. Not just hanging around God, hanging around, no. But hanging out with God. You know, pleasuring Him. Making Him happy. There is something about it. There is something that flows from the throne. You know, I sincerely believe that the greatest way to have our needs met is just to make God happy. Just make God happy. I mean, if you are happy with your child, with your son or with your daughter, that child doesn't need to ask the obvious. When a father is happy with his, with his son, happy with his daughter, happy with, you know, you don't need to ask the obvious. When a boss is happy with his staff member, the staff member doesn't have to ask for, the, for his salary at the end of the month. You know, so, what makes God happy? What makes him to smile? 
is important. This is important. The smile of God should be the goal of your life. To make God happy should be the goal of your life. Last week I sang a song by my friend Victoria Renzi. And it says, I just want to make Jesus proud. I just want to make Jesus proud. You see, that should be the goal of your life. That should be what you should put before you. We used to sing a song when I was in school, you know. It says, to keep your love in face ever before mine eyes. This is my prayer. Make it my strong desire that in my secret heart no other love competes, no rival form survives, and I'll serve only you. It was a song of allegiance. It is our song of loyalty. That it was only God we are going to put before us. And we are going to live our lives to make him happy. Since pleasing God is the first purpose of your life, your most important task is to discover how to do that. The Bible says, figure out what it will take to please Christ and then do it. Fortunately, the Bible gives us a clear example of a life that gives pleasure to God. That man's name was Noah. In Noah's day, the entire world had become morally bankrupt. Everyone lived for their own pleasure, not God's. God couldn't find anyone on earth interested in pleasing him. I'm telling you, God is usually the last person we think of pleasing. If you are a single guy, you wake up in the morning, the first person you want to call is your girlfriend. If you're a single lady, the first person you want to call, text, or whatever is your boyfriend. You know, most of the time, if you are, if you're ill and you can't go to work, the first person you want to call is your boss. Everything we do, we do it to satisfy ourselves. We do it to satisfy our own desires, our own lust, our own appetites. Often, God is the last person. When last did you wake up and say, today I just want to make God happy? Then what am I going to do? Have you gotten into a corner and then maybe you are being asked to do something? There was a demand that was placed on your life and you said to yourself, what will I do in this situation that God will be happy about? You know, we don't ask these questions. We don't ask this. So he was grieved and regretted making man. God became so disgusted with the human race that he considered wiping it out. But there was one man who made God happy. The Bible says, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. Another translation says, Noah was a pleasure to the Lord. In other words, God wanted to wipe out the earth. But there was one man who brought God pleasure. Do you know that when Abraham was praying concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, and and Abraham said, if there are 50 men, would you destroy? He said, no. If there was, but it's like from 100 or so. No. That means that if there were just 10 righteous men, that men who made God happy in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would not have destroyed them. God is looking for people who will make him happy. God said, this guy brings me pleasure. He makes me smile. I will start over with this family. Because Noah brought pleasure 
to God. You and I are alive today. From his life, we learn the five acts of worship that make God smile. Number one, God smiles when we love him supremely. When we love him supremely. Noah loved God more than anything else in the world. Father, I pray that this reality will come into your heart. One day I asked the Lord, I said to him, Father, what do I do to make you happy? And the Lord sent me to go and study and I read. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You know, I discovered that the measure of our love for God is directly proportional to how much we obey Him. When we, the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy might, and with all thy strength. The Bible says, Thou shalt have no other God before. In other words, be, before me, that was God saying. In other words, you know, you can actually have other gods. God can come number two, or number three, or number four, or number five. When your heart is pried open, and then they make the list, where does God fall? Does your wife come first, and then your job comes second, and then maybe your investments come third, and then God fourth. And you will know it. When challenges arise, that is when you will know the order of priority. You will know what you have put first, or what you've put second, or what you've put third. You will know. Your heart will reveal it to you. There are things I do, you know, sometimes I travel or something, and I just want to come back see my kids. You know, I'm just, I just, I'm just looking forward to coming back to see my kids. They hold an important place in my heart. Where have you placed God in your life? Where have you placed God in your life? You know, God is happy when we trust Him completely. When we trust Him completely. You know, Noah began to build that ark. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. And the whole world was laughing at Noah. But Noah trusted what God said. God said he's going to bring a flood and no one knew God will bring this flood. The act of building the ark was the faith that Noah showed. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that Noah by faith, when God spoke to him about the flood, Hebrews 11, he said he moved with godly fear. He moved with God. So what was making Noah to build that ark was godly fear. There was the fear of God in him to do it. Number three, God is happy when we obey him wholeheartedly. When we obey him wholeheartedly, God gave Noah instructions. The size of the boat or the ark, who to bring in, what to do when he gets in there. God gave him strict instructions. And how many times we have failed in this? How many times we have failed? Our obedience has not been complete. I'm so blessed by this study this morning. I hope you are. I want you to build the basics, the foundational issues of your life. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about breakthrough. I'm not no. I'm talking about the things that make us whole. The things that make God excited about our lives. The things that bring the interventions of heaven over us. Those are matters that I'm talking about. Not about just the things that we need. God is not our errand boy. We are made for his pleasure. I hope you've been blessed. I've been blessed. We need to stop here for today. But I want you to know that today is the day that the Lord has made and you will rejoice and be glad in it. I am sure you have been blessed by today's episode of Compass. 
Let's continue the interaction on our social media platforms at Hella E. Michelia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time, keep moving in the direction of your destiny.